1: think, John Boyle, it's starting to feel like we're getting closer to a football season, or is this just my imagination?
0: No, it is, and it's funny, without the usual cadence of preseason games, it snuck up on me. I was just like, kind of in this training camp mode, and all of a sudden I was like, this would be preseason week number three. We'd be closing in on the last preseason game and roster cuts and all that, and it's, it is coming right up. It's been a very strange offseason, but we're getting close to week one.
1: And we have plenty to cover as we get you closer to week one. If you are not familiar with our voices, I would ask, why not? We're here for you every week during the season. I'm Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the team. John Boyle writes for Seahawks.com. And John, what did you write about trend and topic-wise following the last couple of mock
0: games the Hawks have had? It's funny because it was very different trend, the two mock games. It, for a while, we've been talking about the defense really looking good in practice, but then that first mock game, the offense, both Russell Wilson and Geno Smith just moved the ball down the field, and particularly particular, Geno Smith doing that against the starting o- defense was kind of eye-opening, but defense really had its way. When you talk about the starters, they were great in this past mock game. The, the backup offenses couldn't get anything going. We saw the two takeaways From Marquise Blair and really kind of the the biggest thing in camp for me has been how much better the defense looks, which was a huge focus in the offseason after they were 26 in total defense last year.
1: Well, and Pete Carroll certainly saw that in the mock game the Seahawks had this week, and I think he's seen exactly what he needs to see out of that starting set this was a
2: good day for us really good day that we were able to get through all of the stuff we needed to get through and come back and clean some things up from from week one when we came in the stadium felt like we had pretty good rhythm you know with it looking for the rhythm between sequences and plays and changing from offense to defense and all that and the kicking game stuff brian schneider and and uh And Larry Izzo did a really good job to handle that thing today, so that was really well done.
1: John, we can talk about this all we want. The truth is a mock game is really different from a preseason game or even a regular season game. How close to – I'm not even going to say 100%. 85 to 90% are we of seeing what that defense can actually
0: do? We're getting closer. And as Pete Carroll outlined yesterday, they did let that starting defense kind of tackle to the ground. And we saw some real hitting. Marky Blair had a nice hit on the sideline to break up a pass. And it was looking a little bit more real. And, you know, going back to that defense looking good, they did that without Jamal Adams, who they gave the day off because of an unfortunate strawberry cutting incident, which, Of all things, when you see a guy in practice with that big club on his hand and everyone's like, oh, no, what's going on? Of all the things that could have been, that was a a very happy uh, ending to it.
1: I mean, it was, except it made me cringe when I heard that because I personally (laughs) cut myself while cutting an avocado last week and it required two Band-Aids. Right, and it required two Band-Aids that I usually don't wear Band-Aids because, I mean, I never cut myself. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, that is quite the accident that requires a club on your hand. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, Jamal Adams was not out there for the second mock game, but what we did see is Quentin Dunbar getting a little bit more familiar because he even said when he talked to the media about 10 days ago, a, week, a couple weeks ago, he's got a long way to go in catching up. Even though he's familiar with the terminology after working with Marco on manuals, you can have the concepts there, but he himself, kind of indicated that it was going to be more of an uphill progress and process that i think a lot of people assumed as far as a plug and play type of situation.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean there's a lot of nuances to play in cornerback in a Pete Carroll defense and you're right. He he did a lot of offseason work with on Mark, Mark Juan Manuel who has background here. So he knows some of, some of the things the Seahawks like to do, he knows some of the technique, but there's still a lot of just the nuance of the position, getting familiar with the safeties you're playing with understanding all the zone concepts. So yeah, he is catching up. And I think a big picture going back to that position, I think a lot of people saw that trade this offseason just assumed, okay, they just trade for the new right cornerback and Trey flowers off to the bench. Trey flowers has responded well to that. And I think there's a real competition going on there as well. And, you know, for, for a while, Trey flowers has been ahead just with the extra reps and the familiarity. And I think Quentin Dunbar is catching up and closing the gap, but it's not a foregone conclusion that he's the guy there.
1: Well, the defense certainly caught our eye during that second mock game, and it caught the eye of Pete Carroll, as you indicated. But let's hear how Coach really felt about all of those great plays the progress, and the playmaker.
2: I'm really excited about these guys. These guys—and um, we, we've had, a, and I, I think I might have said the other day, that, uh, an infusion of, of kind of spirit and, and leadership and playmaking from Bruce and uh, from Jamal coming in. And I'm anxious to see the, the effect that uh, Quentin Dunbar can have also, um, just to add to what we already have. Um, there's a there's there's an energy about this group. They're really excited about playing together and we've got to get good You know, we got to get our stuff, right? We got to get all our assignments down and our calls and our adjustments down and all of that And so that's what we're racing, you know for the opener uh, To get that done so we can play really good clean football and cut these guys loose and, and let them go, but uh, we're faster um, We're we're we seem to be more athletic um, uh, Marquise has been a, a, a noticeable change. Uh, I mean, look at the day he had today, but he, he's been a noticeable change playing the nickel spot, so I really feel like we've boosted this group and uh, as well as the guys just getting a little better every year as they do.
1: We have mentioned Marquis Blair's name a couple of times, and I'm curious how much different does that position look to you? Nickelback than it did last year. The Seahawks used a couple of different guys, and at the end of the year, I thought maybe Ugo Amadi had the inside track on that, and I realized That size-wise, he does not look like Marquise, but he does have the speed, and he does have the pop when he hits. So how much different do you think that looks compared to what the Hawks used last year?
0: Yeah, I mean, just physically, it looks different. You see him out there, and it's another safety, so there's that difference. Um, I've been impressed with Blair, especially of late. I mean, there's been some moments where you can tell he's new to the position, but he looks more and more comfortable every week. And, you know, I thought early on it, it was one of those things like, oh, this could be a cool experiment, but Ugo has the experience. He's got a little bit more of that natural coverage ability. It's going to be tough for, for Marquis Blair to win it. But, I mean, right now he's looking really good. I, I do still think there's a role for Ugo Amadi on this defense. You know, if, if teams are running a lot of receivers out at you, he might be the better option than Marquis Blair. And, you know, maybe we'll see some dime stuff. They did a little bit of that last year. So I don't think Marquis Blair's ascension just – Automatically relegates Ugo to the bench, but it, it's been you know it's it's a different look. It kind of reminds me, obviously, of what we saw in 2017 with three safeties when Bradley McDougal got here, and they still had Cam and Earl out there. So I obviously they're more committed to it than they were in 2017 when it was sort of an extra sub package. But it's it's been fun to watch, and I just think marquise Blair has been very exciting. What we've seen the last few weeks.
1: Well, and whether he's got a spot at a. Package on defense or not, Ugo is still a huge part of specialty. I mean, we have seen that, and he's not going anywhere. I'm just curious to see kind of how that role evolves and how they do find ways to get him on the field because he definitely has talent there. Uh, I I just don't know how that's all going to shake out on the defense. We have talked about the defense, I think, for maybe long enough. You mentioned receivers as in opponents' receivers, but how about what we saw in the pass catching? core. I can't just say receivers because we're talking about tight ends as well. Let's get Pete's response to what he saw from the offense because they had a couple of nice drives in their second mock game.
2: Saw some some uh, good stuff throwing and catching today. Russ, Russ threw the ball real nice and guys made some nice plays. Uh, Greg Olson l- looked good catching the ball. Um, DK came back with another big touchdown. Uh, Jacob Hollister looked sharp. Uh, Locke did a good job. Demo, D- I think David Moore had three catches for the day. So it was a good job of throwing the ball around
1: So, John, what do you make of those pass catchers right now? I mean, I know that we've got Lockett that's established as number one. DK looks stronger than ever before. David Moore had a nice week. I think in the mock game and in practice, he's had some nice catches. He
0: did, and that was a very classic case of taking advantage of your opportunities. We've seen Philip Dorsett kind of step more into that number three role, and there's a lot of excitement about John Ursua as well. Both those guys were out with injuries, so... David Moore was kind of the clear number three most of the week, and especially in the mock game. And he looked really good, had a few nice catches. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the competition is still very much on there for basically every receiver spot. I think we all know what one and two is. But every spot beyond those two could shake out a lot of different ways. And it's going to get really competitive, both for kind of playing time in that three and four role and just that final roster spot or two
1: to see how the tight ends work into this mix. And part of that is because we talked to Greg Olson earlier this week, and I just think that he's got such a neat perspective on things, which happens when you have been in the league now for 14 years. But with him saying, look, I can know everything I know about the playbook. I can understand Russell Wilson, but nothing substitutes for getting out there and making mistakes together and figuring that out. And he was pretty open about, yeah, I'm taking more reps now than I would normally take in training camp. I have to make a balance there. And I don't know that I saw too many mistakes between the two of them during that game. I did see a lot of conversations on the sidelines. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how much he gets worked into the mix once the regular season starts.
0: I've been very impressed with how natural he looks in that offense already. And I think to me, the biggest sign of how comfortable he is, and we saw this especially in the first mock game, but a little bit in the last one, is how much Russell Wilson's going to him on third down already. I mean, that kind of, that money down, you got to move the sticks. He keeps finding ways to get open. It's just, it's that classic tight end thing that the Seahawks saw plenty from Greg Olson of and Carolina of they, you know, they're not going to be the fastest guy, the most, you know, agile guy, but they just find ways to get open. They just find those spots in zone defenses. They find little pockets and he's just open all the time. And he still has just phenomenal hands. You know, look, you you can't guarantee a full season health for anybody, let alone someone in their thirties, but for a guy that that was a concern, and you know he's coming off injuries, he has not looked like there are any physical limitations right now. I mean, he's moving great. Not for a guy his age, just for a tight end. Period. He's moving great, and looking good. So, I think fans have a lot of reason to be very excited what he can bring to the offense.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that. So, I sometimes have a hard time telling Greg Olson from Will Disley. And to be fair, when you sit in the press box at CenturyLink Field those and the sun are hard is shining to read. down, yes. Those are super hard to read and you have 88 and 89 and i would say that speaks to how well greg olson is playing both of them actually coming off of injury because i have to use my binoculars every single time to figure out who actually made the play
0: yeah that sun angle on those numbers i i not help freddie swain's number to save my life when he was returning kickoffs but i was just guessing so um it's <laughs> It's tough, in the lead, but you're right. I mean, they both look great. You would not guess, um, you know, Greg Olson's his age, and you wouldn't guess Will Disley's coming off the injuries. He is, and it's that position group. I mean, those two are those two are obviously going to be very big parts of the offense, but then the depth is really impressive. I mean, all the way down the line, as, as Shadi mentioned, all the way down to the undrafted guys like Mayberry, and then, you know, Luke Olson, a vet who's played a ton of football. They've got Jacob Hollister, who is just a— great addition last year so that that position group is going to be tough to sort out
1: well and I don't want to get into too many specifics about any one player but you mentioned Hollister's name that was one of the names that did not get mentioned in a conversation earlier this week about tight ends and then I went out to watch practice and I'm like oh my gosh how could I forget about Jacob Hollister he had some fantastic games and yet I don't know where he fits is Greg Olson and Will Disley are help are, are healthy and continuing to be on the field there's gotta be a role for him, right? I think. I mean, so. am I, no, I mean, am I that,
0: just playing favorites here? <laughs> I would think so. I mean, look, if, if you're the third re- or the third tight end, you're not going to necessarily see a ton of playing time, but he is a little different than those guys is, you know, probably a little more athletic at, at a younger age than Greg Olson and um, you know, more of a true pass catcher than Will Disley is. So I think there's definitely still a role for him that way. But um, the biggest thing is just the depth you have there of, you obviously help everyone get through the season healthy, but you just, you can't be guaranteed that. And we've seen that at that position in particular. So you're going to have a ton of good options if you need them beyond those top two.
1: Okay. Before I switch gears and I get into that running game and what we've seen from Carlos Tide, I do want to mention that two minute drill to end the first half of that game,
0: 88 yards in five plays, all of them Russell Wilson passes. What did we learn from that drive? I don't know if we really learned anything. We just saw something he's been great at his whole career, and that's why, I mean, a a big debate, obviously, amongst fans is, you know, do you go more up-tempo? Russell Wilson's hinted at he likes playing that style. They're not going to do that all game long. It's not necessarily sustainable, but they're really good at it when they do, and that was, was, as you said, just a very efficient just boom, boom, boom down the field, and I don't think we learned as much as it just reaffirmed that Russell Wilson is really freaking good.
1: It was fun, though. That's some great analysis there in. for the
0: fans. I mean, you can't great. find that That's everywhere. That's not
1: what I was hoping for. But What were you, sure, what were you getting at, Jen? With that? What, what did now, I miss? I just, no, I just – I guess it just – it looks so smooth, right? It, and I recognize that you're going against a second-team defense. It just looks smooth. It, You know, DK's in there making passes. I think Greg Olson was part of that. The fact that you did that in pass plays, it just – I thought it was uh, it was a nice sign of where the offense is, considering that, as you mentioned way back at the beginning of this conversation, the defense has looked very sharp in practice. And so to see the offense do that in the second mock game, I think, was nice affirmation that they are on track as well. And we have seen more from Carlos Hyde than, I'm going to be honest, than I personally expected to see. And Pete Carroll was singing his praises, too.
2: I thought Carlos Hyde looked really good again, and he, he seems to just continue to be right on the a, on a mark. He's uh, in there. He's going to be able to be a big factor for us.
1: So, John, how would you compare what Carlos Hyde brings compared to what Chris Carson would bring? He has been tending to a family matter in Georgia. We do expect to see him back at practice in the near future. Compare and contrast those styles.
0: You know, it's funny. Pete Carroll brought this up, and I've kind of noticed it since. They, when you see them from afar, you know, up at that press box view, they run pretty similar in that they're, you know, they're bigger backs. They have that kind of downhill one cut and go style, but they're both shifty enough to, to bounce out and make guys miss and all that. So, you know, we don't, we haven't seen the full on physicality yet to say that, you know, he's going to play like Chris Carson in that way, but he's, you know, he just looks really impressive. I mean, he ripped, they didn't keep full rushing stats, but he ripped off a bunch of long runs, you know, had two of them back to back on one drive. He's, you know, Look, Chris Carson as long as he's here and healthy is going to probably be the number one option, but you're not going to have much drop off at all if you need to spell him with Carlos Hyde or you just want to, you know, do two two back looks where you change it up a little bit, you know. It, who knows what it's going to look like when Rashad Penny gets back, but you feel like even with your, you know, former first round pick on I, or on Pup right now, you still have two really strong backs leading that group.
1: Yeah, I guess it was his speed that surprised me most. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because I just didn't watch enough of his highlights, I was going to say I don't think, think I watched him season? enough
0: in the teams he's been with. But yeah, I've I've been very impressed.
1: He was running away from defenders during that mock game. He looked really impressive, a- and I think it's been really good for him to get as many reps as he is just to get worse into the office and, and to understand where Russell's coming from because not everything has been a handoff. We know that he's got to understand how Russell likes to scramble. And some of those option plays that they run. And I think it's been really good because Chris Carson understands that. And so having Carlos up to speed, I think only helps that offense and and gets them ready for week one. Before we close out offensive line, I have asked this question to a couple of different people because I do think it has been a talking point outside of the building chemistry on the offensive line. Is it something that, concerns you that they haven't had a preseason game is it something that causes as much consternation as what it appears to be outside of the building in the seahawks organization
0: i mean i I probably am not as concerned as people outside of the organization just because some of the pieces they've added have looked really good you know especially the guys on the right side shell and lewis so, look, the the whole idea of continuity and all of that with the offensive line, that's a real thing. I mean, that position group needs it, and they are a little behind the eight ball, not just the lack of preseason, but the lack of all those OTAs. So, you know, I think we're probably going to – they're not going to come out and announce the starting line this week, I wouldn't think, but we're getting closer to them figuring out internally and giving those guys a ton of reps so they get comfortable with each other. I think it was telling, you know – in that mock game, the number one offense was out there for a while. And that included even Dwayne Brown, who you might think, you know, veteran like Dwayne Brown doesn't need it and they could pull him earlier. But I think they do understand the importance of giving those guys some game-like reps to really get ready. So look, it's going to be a little bit of a learning period. It probably won't be as good in week one as it will be in week six. That's just the way it's going to work. But I do think there's, there's some things to be excited about in that group.
1: But I would also say this, that is always the case. And defense is always, and I realize you're not supposed to say always and never, but coming out of training camp every year, defense is typically almost always ahead of the offense just because of the way it works. It generally takes a little bit of time. Unless you have returned all five starters for consecutive years and are running the exact same plays with the exact same people, it is going to take them just a couple of games. So I would caution folks, when you start to see this, it. It is part of just the normal progression of a team coming together during the course of the season. That is my take. I personally am not concerned about this offensive line. I really like those pieces. I really like Damian Lewis. I think it is amazing to alone, watch him. It is amazing to watch him in drills and to see the pad level and leverage that he plays with. Yeah, I mean, he stays lower than anybody else
0: he and DJ Dallas are the two rookies that everybody coaches teammates just keep bringing up. And for an, that's a tough position to jump in and start week one of being a, being a rookie guard. But I mean, everyone is just raving about him and he's, he's been pretty impressive.
1: It'll be fun to see him in a real game. As we wrap up here, what are the things you are looking for in the next week from the team? There's another mock game that is scheduled so that they can continue to iron some of these things out. But what else do we need to see as we get closer to that week one matchup against
0: Atlanta? I mean, we just talked about, but I want to see that offensive line. You know, they get settled on. Okay. If, if whatever their starting five is, get settled on it and really get, get going with that group and be ready. And then, I'll just take it over the other side of the ball or the other side of the trenches of, you know, is that defensive line, I, I like the pieces they've added and I like what we've seen from Benson Mayo and Bruce Irvin, but, you know, are they really going to elevate that pass rush the way the Seahawks hope they are? And if they do, I, I think the defense, I mean, obviously Jamal Adams is the big, you know, everybody's excited about him for good reason, but what could really make the biggest difference for that defense is just getting some more consistent pressure. And if we start seeing that, I, I think this defense can be really, really
1: Yeah, I think they definitely have some good building blocks to work from as they get closer to week one, which is really not that far away, which means that you should join us again next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders podcast as we get you ready with everything that we are seeing in practice and mock games. We can give you the full of the Seahawks going into the 2020 regular season. That'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time.